Welcome to iFollow. Hello and good morning, everybody, to episode 48 of iFollow. Uh, we have a lot of exciting news this week um, for as boring of a week as it was in tech. But um, here to bring you that news is none other than myself and the illustrious Jeff. How are you today? Ooh, nice adjective. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing great today. It's a beautiful Sunday and I'm excited to be here. How are you? That's right. I'm good. The weather's finally looking better. Um, <sighs> I went outside and I was actually warm without a coat. Yeah, so what's that? Um, getting that beautiful <laughs> sunlight all over my face. I'm going to have to start using sunblock. You're going to have a tan line if you ever shave that beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to. I can only imagine how pale I am under this beard <laughs> and how bad that would be for my complexion if I went outside with a shaved face. But I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So Probably not. But um, yeah, anyway, you want to jump in? Yeah, yeah, we do have uh, a few interesting topics. Um, the first of which uh, impacts someone on our very own show, mm -hmm. um, a certain Mr. Ryan Thompson. Um, it's a shame he couldn't join us today because I think he would have had some lovely input for this. But uh, Flickr was purchased today or yesterday um, or on 420, not today or yesterday, uh, by SmugMug. Um, which vows that they were going to revitalize the service. Um, so this was uh, SmugMug is pretty well known in the photo sharing and storage community um, as a bigger name, but they said that they're committed to breathing new life into the social networking pioneer, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, Flickr was previously owned by Yahoo. I think, I think. that's correct. Yeah. So with Yahoo being purchased by Verizon, I know that Verizon said that they weren't going to purchase any of the extra stuff it was just going to be the core yahoo company um so this is it looks like this is just kind of other companies coming in and just picking up the pieces that are left from that um from that purchase but um this is i think this is the the thing that i would have wanted to see from Flickr or what i wanted to see happen to some of these other services because they're like i think there's a lot of potential and um in Flickr, because it's one of the only places you go where photographers store their like raw images um, that they're not uploading to like Instagram or aren't supported by other websites. Right. That's like so. exactly what I was going to get at is I think that getting the true photo that the artist wants you to see is possible on Flickr, whereas on Instagram, you're kind of scrolling through a newsfeed of not so high resolution pictures or at mm -hmm. least smaller size pictures. Um, yeah. you, you have the option of letting your user base download your pictures if they want to mm -hmm. so i'm gonna be honest i i didn't really know about Flickr too much i think i heard it in conversation and then once ryan sent me his link that's when i started checking it out there's a lot of good stuff on there mm -hmm. yeah and um i i don't know what's going to happen with this merger but it seems like they're committed to keeping them uh, in keeping them in line with what their original goals were and letting them um making sure that they can breathe new life into that but by breathe new life into it, that could really be anything. So I'm not sure what that really would mean in terms of how they plan on expanding on it. But um, I do know that I have very fond memories of looking, <laughs> like if I find an image that somebody has that I wanted to make like my phone wallpaper or my desktop wallpaper, it was the place that I looked for. Uh, so that way I didn't have to 
like whenever you like put a wallpaper on from Instagram, if you like downloaded something or pulled it from Facebook, it was always super grainy. Yeah. But <laughs> it was nice to find some place where they put it where it's like the full original quality. Um, yeah. And I think it's it could be a way to have some healthy competition for Instagram because they seem to pretty much be the only game in that industry. Yeah, right I don't know if they'll see as many um, users as Instagram does because obviously it's immensely popular and you don't have to be a photographer to have interest in scrolling through and seeing whatever pictures on the fly. Right. Um, but I do think there is definitely a niche for this and I'd like to see it continue to do well. Do mm-hmm. you know anything yeah. about the, um, the leadership of Flickr or if they're doing any transitioning? Um, um not off the top of my head i'm not i haven't looked too deep into Flickr itself um but we may have to have a uh a follow-up from ryan next time he's on the podcast about Flickr. that sounds good um, yeah so they're saying um they don't yet know what the plans are for Flickr's business itself um but they're just gonna kind of look into how this is making revenue currently and see if there's any ways that they can expand on it in the future um but they do say that um photography and photos is like maintaining the existing experience that is that is Flickr is a top priority for them at the moment so it seems like at face value it's just a bunch of like um boilerplate like copy paste like legalese almost where it's <laughs> like we're gonna maintain the image blah 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 right. so I mean, once we actually see what they start doing with Flickr, then I think we will be able to have more of an a uh, more of a view into where they plan on taking this. Right. Um, hopefully, they don't pull like an EA and implement a bunch of changes and blame it on the company and then shut them down. <laughs> so, God, I hope not. Yeah, because yeah, we had a, there's someone in the chat who was saying um who was mentioning that most of the time they end up getting a bad update or shutting them down, and usually that's kind of one after the other. So. I don't know where this is going to go for Flickr or what this means for their community, but um, hopefully it's not too wild of a ride for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so if, if I'm sure if there's any updates, we'll catch wind of this and report on it going forward. But yeah, um, it's exciting stuff. Definitely. So stay tuned yeah. if you're a Flickr fan or you're interested in that topic. The exciting world of mergers. <laughs> <laughs> but um, speaking of merging a synonym for that could be colluding (laughs) and um there is now allegations from the u.s department or justice department um saying that there has been rumors of collusion between at&t verizon and a telecommunication standard organization um which is called the gsma and some people have probably heard about that Um, but there's been reports of collusion for um, a potential thwarting of the eSIM technology. And we've seen uh, several phones that actually have, at least to some degree, incorporated this technology. I know the Pixel 2s have eSIM. Granted, it's only locked to uh, the Project Phi uh, plan, uh, just to kind of make switching to Phi a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. But um, this is meant to be more of a global standard. So this would eSIM technology would let, for example, if you had a Verizon phone and you wanted to switch to AT&T, you didn't have to go and buy a phone locked to a specific carrier or switch your SIM when you're moving with an unlocked device. 
this would just be a way to quickly just it's like flipping a switch you go from a verizon phone to an at&t phone and in a switch but um shocker telecoms are trying to stop that because they wanted to keep you in their little walled garden of at&t goodness and verizon goodness but um it looks like there's gonna be heated lawsuits on this yeah it's because yeah. Not, it's not a big surprise that at&t and verizon are up to some shady stuff <laughs> yeah and of course like this it wouldn't be an attempt to roll out a new standard if it wasn't wrought with attempts to make it a per solution type thing um, we've seen this a lot with uh, messaging formats we've seen it a lot with um, a good example is usb um, there's a lot of different types of usb within the same usb standard like there's power delivery there's data there's sync there's uh, usb 3 um, and then even some companies have tried to create their own proprietary connectors like firewire <laughs> if you have used an old apple device um so yeah, this is kind of par for the course for a new standard being rolled out um but it it's not a good look for at&t or verizon um and it looks and, like oh, go ahead. it looks like the this investigation was open because uh one device maker and one wireless carrier mm -hmm. filed formal complaints and the device maker was apple according to uh Interesting. I believe a source from. I'm not sure where a source is from. Sorry. That's <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> but um, this is going to be a good investigation because um, this is like one of those potential anti, um, like antitrust cases, because uh, the article does mention that AT and T and Verizon together control about seventy percent of all wireless subscriptions in the United States. Wow. Um, so. A technology that would make it easier to switch could lead to more turnover and fewer subscribers for them so it's something that they don't like that could hurt their bottom line so of course they're going to try to fight it being the largest two people in the game um but i don't know i think it's uh gonna be a good it's it's a good talking point about this new type of technology um working with what what truly should be the standard not controlled by ISPs and what should be controlled by ISPs, especially with all this net neutrality talk that we have going on. Yeah, I was just um, going to say, do you think that it's something where AT&T and Verizon should have any rights whatsoever to do this? And I think that a kind of analogy that would answer that question would be like, would you want your personal computer to be linked to your home ISP where you couldn't use your computer unless you were using Verizon's internet? Mm -hmm same kind of concept you want to be able to use your device the way you want to use it right yeah and this and that that even stems into like right to repair and like once you buy it it's yours so you should be able to go wherever you want with it mm -hmm. and the fact that there are even such a thing as carrier restricted devices is ridiculous in yeah. my opinion at least yeah um but yeah like this is a, a technology that literally benefits everybody it makes switching between carriers a cakewalk it's literally just you give them the phone number or you give them the device and they just activate your device on their network and that's the end of it instead of having to buy a ten dollar sim and if you lose that you have to replace it and it may not fit in newer phones because it's too big and all these issues with having a hard chip that goes into your phone so it's a weird move too from i mean obviously 
we've seen behavior similar to this from mobile carriers before where they kind of just do what they want. But I don't know yeah. how they expected this to go by kind of under the radar without anyone getting upset. If you restrict eSIM, there's going to be people who are upset and companies who are upset. So I kind of can only see this going one way unless maybe Agitpy has something to say about it. Yeah, and it's <laughs> interesting to see um, this coming through with our current um, com uh, with our current uh, FCC. Um, I don't know if they have any specific weight in this department. Um, maybe if it goes past the the Justice Department, maybe the FCC would want to or would have a say in this. That being said, I don't know where it would go if they do, yeah. because I don't trust them at all. Half of them are from Verizon and AT and T, mm -hmm. the people who are working in those departments. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, the article does mention that um, the Apple Watch Three, the Google Pixel Two, and the Microsoft Surface all does have the eSIM capability. Um, some of it is locked down, but it wouldn't be hard to update that to allow an easier type of switching. Um, it's just restricted um, to move from carrier to carrier just be I, I think that's more because the industry hasn't adopted it yet right than it is <laughs> them them attempting to keep people in their network mm -hmm. um, but yeah well I, i'm i'm definitely interested in keeping up with this um because um they said they need to be able to, they mentioned verizon has said it needed to be able to lock down phones to prevent theft and fraud which is i don't think that has anything to do with eSIM. I think that phones have functionality built into them to kind of work around that anyway. Yeah. I don't need your yeah. wireless carrier to use it as like a an excuse to hold you to their service. <laughs> yeah. It's I think it's more because um like if I had to pick a specific thing with the whole eSIM technology and whatever, uh, I think it's more because the cellular carriers probably make a little bit more money on selling you a phone with your subscription than they do just off of the subscription itself. Oh yeah. So like this type of technology would cut into that bottom line, which is not good for their investors and blah, blah, blah. And that would be the reason why they're trying to collude against us. But um, it's something that I think should have been this way from the beginning. So agreed. But um, it's, it's nice to see some action. It's hopefully going to lead to positive change. Um, yeah. And public, yeah. an increase of public knowledge on the topic as well. So yeah, yeah. But uh, something that is also good for public knowledge, and something that is not good at all, um, is the latest news that we're hearing from Amazon warehouses. So this article from The Verge goes on to mention that Amazon. To, just to read the headline to you, Amazon workers skip bathroom breaks to keep their jobs says this report don't um, we all <laughs> yeah <laughs> um they are forced to pee in bottles or forego their break entirely because fulfillment demands are too high um this like that i don't that's like a sweatshop that shouldn't be the case in any warehouse anywhere let alone an amazon warehouse in staffordshire uk like we've we've heard all of these types of conditions and rumors and stuff from like Chinese warehouses and warehouses in India. And we're well aware of the rampant abuses of human rights that go on 
in those warehouses and uh, but not from the uk yeah uh, this uh it's just a, it, it kind of makes it a little bit different knowing that it's happening in a western civilized country yeah and the description of the conditions you can tell that it's in like a western country it says that uh this individual um who was quoted here is saying that it resembled a prison or an airport with high security scanners that check workers for banned items like hoodies sunglasses and phones and mm -hmm. other employees who pat down workers to check for stolen goods um it says that 74 percent of the workers avoided using the toilet for fear of being warned they'd missed their target numbers and okay. that 55 percent of employees report having suffered depression since working at amazon over 80 percent said they would not apply for a job at amazon again that's crazy and yeah this um for anybody who's wondering who's listening to the live show this comes from a journalist james bloodworth who went undercover as an amazon worker when he was writing his book uh hired six months undercover in low-wage britain so it looks like he had gone through several places but this seems to be uh, a pretty bad experience mm -hmm. to say the least yeah. um but yeah this is like what you're describing to me literally is like a tsa pre-check every day going into work yeah but like it's like also forcing you to go to the airport to survive <laughs> yeah yeah and basically you'd have to like it's just it's so bad like it they don't allow them enough time for breaks let alone sick days and apparently this also includes individuals who may be pregnant um it says from their point of view we don't have the right to be ill one worker who is a parent um said that was an anonymous quote yeah and um, um another employee said that they had to be taken to the hospital and the next day someone asked why they weren't at work they told them why but it was still marked a no call no show yeah <sighs> it's so bad yeah like um Amazon provide and, and Amazon of course has contradicted this. So um, I think that we're going to hear more about this going forward. But um, this is this isn't the first time I think that we've heard about Amazon warehouse conditions being awful. I do think that there was articles before where um, up until maybe like ten years ago is when they finally got air conditioning in their warehouses or something like that, and um, the crazy amount of people ordering things is keeping them from being able to like achieve just basic human rights like going to the bathroom or taking an adequate lunch break it kind of reminds um, me of like the industrial revolution in europe where you yeah. know workers were working what 18 hour days and living in smog conditions and getting paid minimum wage just because there's a job available and there's a mm -hmm. high demand in the industry um yeah this <sighs> I can't, I mean, obviously we haven't heard anything from other fulfillment centers of Amazon like this. So it makes me curious what this specific one is like and if other ones in the UK are going through similar conditions. But if there's issues with your, your bottom line where people can't use the bathroom or take sick days for you to get by and meet your numbers, then I think there's a bigger issue. That's yeah, definitely I not the way to go about solving it. Yeah, I th I'm thinking this is like a one-off type thing mm -hmm. with an Amazon warehouse with a really bad manager or really poor um, just employee communication to the higher-ups um, or like a bad culture. But uh, it it definitely doesn't 
look good for Amazon. And I think their response could have been a little nicer than, than just immediately being like, no, we don't have any problems at our warehouses. What are you talking about? Yeah, they kind of just talked over this whole topic and made it said it's like a moot point. Yeah, it's like talk. Can you, like I always imagined like this in like a one on one conversation, like you're in a coffee shop with Mr. Jeff Bezos and you're like, sir, can you explain to me um, what's going on with your Staffordshire UK warehouse? And he's just like, like he just like takes a nice sip of his coffee and puts it down, looks you straight in the eyes. And he's just like, we have a focus on ensuring we provide a great environment for all our employees. And last month, Amazon was named by LinkedIn as the seventh most sought after place to work in the UK. <laughs> And ranked first place in the U.S. It's like, <laughs> oh, cool, Mr. Amazon, but can you please like right. go into more detail about how these employees can't go to the bathroom? <laughs> like, total, total, like political answer there. It kind of reminds yeah. me of like a House of Cards thing. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it, it's just like I, I I never understood the whole like I always thought that there should be a more like down to earth response or like the TLDR of these like boilerplate stuff. Like, <laughs> just say like we're looking into it. Don't don't give me this weird. Even that's weak, though. We're looking into it yeah. when people well, are I would, suffering. I would rather that at the end or something like yeah. Like while like while we have a focus on ensuring we provide a great environment, um, we are disturbed by this news and are investigating this to see if there's any merit behind it or something. I don't know. Maybe that's why I'm not a CEO because <laughs> I'm not good at spinning stuff. Because you're too honest. <laughs> Yeah, it's like we'll circle back with you later on this. Right. Like yeah. I don't I think it's it's definitely um it's not it's the first it's not the first time and it's won't be the last time that we hear about Amazon warehouse issues. And um I'm I am looking forward to hopefully hearing a communication from the higher ups yeah. at Amazon. Yeah. But mm-hmm. just just kind of passing it off as like, eh, whatever, like who cares? Yeah, the chats. <laughs> Panda was saying he's like better than a nah, dude. We don't roll like that. <laughs> like that's not us. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know, dude. It's it's just not a good look for Amazon. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, but moving into a new topic, um, we mentioned it a few times, and I promise this is the last time that we'll bring this up on the show. <laughs> but um, Chrome sixty six is here, and they now block auto-playing content by default. Um, so this is a good news. Um, it will... Um, the release includes auto-playing content muted by default, security improvements, and new developer features. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this this update is actually available, and I downloaded it yesterday. Um, I, was, I didn't have a whole lot of time just to play with the individual features. I know we did a, a little check in the, um, the pre-show, um, but... I, it looks like it may learn after a little bit on the tabs you're auto muting, um, but I know this would be tremendously helpful for websites like uh, USA Today or CNET, etc. Because um, there's nothing better than having your headphones in and forgetting you left your computer at max volume, and then having this like horrifyingly loud CNET video play like shrieking in your ears. Yeah, or an advertisement that's built to get your attention, even if you're at low volume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they um and the there's they're saying that they've in our tests um just to kind of summarize um this venture beat article um they've received mixed results with youtube um sometimes they're playing automatically and other times not um some would expect a video site 
to autoplay this content. Um, but if a page circumvents an autoplaying block, you can still mute the whole website, which I have done for CNET and several other sites. As if um, <laughs> yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, um, if you're on Chrome and you want to mute a tab, first navigate away from the Twitch tab so you can still hear us. <laughs> and then uh, you just right click the tab and then there's one called like four or five down just says mute site. So mm -hmm. if you can't do it, um, you can always just do it yourself. And but, that does have a, a memory, so to speak. So when you open a site from that same domain again, that site will be muted according yeah. to your action. Yeah, it's uh, muting at the domain level, which is nice. Right. So um, you just got to make sure that if you are trying to watch a video, you unmute it. So mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that happened to uh, me yesterday. I did it. <laughs> I, was I, I mute Twitch when I uh, we do our broadcast, and I was trying to watch RLCS, and it was muted by default. Uh, you're like, what's yeah. happening? Why is my speakers not working? I figured it out pretty quickly, but yeah. And you look up and you see the cross through it. Um, exactly. But yeah, but um, so the discrepancy of why it's working in some cases and not, and something we didn't get to in the pre-show is how Chrome would rank each website. So they use they use this thing called a media engagement index, which is the measuring your propensity to consume media for each site on your visit. Um, so you can actually check this. They, there is a link in this article um, for Chrome media dash engagement, and it'll show you like your likelihood to, um, to consume video, video media on the website. So it's looking like after, so let's say if we left CNET unmuted, for example, and navigated away and back to it several times and we kept muting the videos or um, kept dismissing it, then it would probably start to auto mute it for us. Um, but the um, the MEI is determined by the ratio of visits with four factors taken into account. And those accounts are your consumption of media must be greater than seven seconds. Audio must be present and unmuted. Um, a tab with the video is active and the size of the video in pixels is greater than 200 by 140. So um, this looks like it's that's the conditions for getting a video to continue to autoplay. Um, but it, it'd be good to know if, like, for example, if we tried opening up a CNET and then just immediately tossing it into the background, if it actually autoplayed mm, or not. I don't know if I'm that willing to be, test. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you want to test that either. Um, but we can we can always try that or... Um, if any listeners wanted to try it, they can report back to us if they're running Chrome 66. Um, but um, it's a useful feature, and it's something that I was excited about since we reported on it way back last summer. Yeah. So it's I'm excited to finally see it. And, that, and also, this is going to be part of their push, excuse me, with the Better Ads Coalition or Coalition for Better Ads. Mm -hmm. um, so the internet is becoming a better place again. <laughs> let's hope so chrome is making the internet great again <laughs> um no but it's i'm excited to because nothing i hate more than like pop-up ads annoying advertisements and auto playing videos and um, i'm hoping this brings an end to that yeah i'm trying to think back to a day when the internet didn't have so many ads it happened pretty quickly yeah it really took but, off i guess yeah i liked the um I don't know if you remember this. You, you probably do, but the the era of overusing Flash 
the abuse of a, of flash videos on mm-hmm. websites um there was this website for a church that i always keep referencing back to and it was a um it was it's it had a flash intro it was like metal music like coming in and like they like zoomed it was like all this flashing lights it looked like i was about to watch like a kiss show or something or like a crazy like like glam rock concert but it was this like intro video for a church um and they've since updated it probably because of the amount of people who've like made fun of them yeah this ridiculous intro (laughs) video but um man flash was that was a good old days flash remember netscape oh my god no i don't (laughs) but i I don't really know that one um oh man yeah but so anybody who is a developer also um I'm not going to get into the the individual code changes that are happening, um, but there is a long list of feature sets and um, programming changes that have been made to Chrome 66, so feel free to reference that from the show notes if you are a developer or someone who develops in Chrome. So a um, bit of useful information for any of those listeners. Uh, but moving into the bigger topic of the day i think is um aloe's dead as of right now and i don't know what i don't i don't know what what's google's deal yeah with messaging apps they can't make up their mind they no. they they're never satisfied and yeah i, I guess neither is the user base <laughs> it's so hard to follow so they got okay so they had like Hangouts, they have Messages, they have Allo, they have normal, um, what is it, Gchat they had a long time ago. They have like four or five messaging services that they use. I'm, and I'm probably not even thinking of another one. Yeah, there's, um, there's bound to be more that we're not yeah. thinking of. So, um, but yeah, it's like they always try and fail with messaging apps. And it's so hard to keep track of. Um, but, um, they are, this is arguably one of the better attempts in my opinion to solve this problem. Um, so for, for anybody who's not familiar, um, and I'm pretty sure you are familiar with this fact, but normal SMS sucks. (laughs) Normal SMS is awful. Um, and the verge summarizes this in their top line perfectly. And I can't say it any better. Um, they're like a top tier Android phone can cost upwards of a thousand dollars. And for that money, you'll get a stellar screen, a top flight camera, so much storage and a incredibly atrocious texting experience. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and this has always been the problem with SMS. There's like message length limits. There's uh, MMS doesn't work right. Anybody who has an Android phone who's been in a conversation in a group chat with somebody who has an iOS device, sometimes you see double of the messages come through. Sometimes they don't go through at all. Um, Even some Android devices, I I know people who can't get or participate in group messages. mm -hmm. Yeah, there's been several group messages that I've been a part of where most of the people who have iOS devices have a really hard time getting any of my messages. So... I'm talking like Android to Android too. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Like it's it really is like a day by day type thing. Yeah. And um, so yeah, long story short, SMS is terrible. 
but <laughs> um, Google is going to be rolling out a technology called Chat, um, which is going to be based on RCS, which for those of you who are not familiar, it's the universal profile for rich communication services. Um, so there will still be an SMS fallback um, just because that is an FCC regulated standard, I believe. Um, and SMS is all the way back from like the 1980s. Like that's how old that standard is. <laughs> the, this standard for messaging predates the memes that are being sent across it. <laughs> like sending like high res images was not a thing in SMS. Um, but this is what Google is attempting to solve. Um, not necessarily by building an iMessage clone, but by building a better standard for text messaging in general. Um, it's going to be um, the future of texting, basically. So it's they're going to be including um, more data with each message. So on any device, you'll be able to have like read like read receipts, um, typing indicators, uh, full resolution images and video, group texting. Um, no more limits in character length. I'm sure that you've seen when you type a long message, it'll say like, it'll start to do like the slash two um, to show you how many messages it'll be split across for older devices. Yep. I remember the days of counting those to make sure I didn't go over my monthly <laughs> limit. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I remember like way back in middle school, I had a 200 text message limit. I think I probably cover that in like an hour. A in like a day in a second definitely definitely in a day stop texting right now if you if you include um, aloe in that we go through that pretty quick yeah yeah aloe we go through it fast but yeah. we're gonna have to find a new home for Whoa. for this one day eventually kill aloe but um aloe is not truly dead um they've yeah. just simply stopped development on it so it, they're just kind of it's in a holding pattern until they can get this done it looks like it's kind of an all hands on deck thing with google getting everybody in on their messaging divisions because i'm assuming they probably have at least 30 messaging departments um just because of <laughs> just because they have 30 work. messaging services yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um so it'll be sent um chat messages will be sent using your data plan instead of your sms plan um so it's it's going to have a data impact similar to how uh, iMessage works. So that's no different from anything that anybody has ever heard of. Um, and for those of you who didn't know, yeah, iOS messages through iMessage use your data instead of SMS. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think people care. But, um, but yeah, chat messages will be sent with your data plan. Um, you'll only be charged for whatever minimal data it costs to send a message, but that is up to the carriers. Um, the messages hardly consume any amount of data whatsoever. Um, but um, they're saying chat is a carrier-based service, not a Google service. It's just chat and not Google chat. So they are developing this to be an open platform for carriers to implement. And um, like SMS, this is important to note for anybody who uses Signal or Telegram, it is not end-to-end -end encrypted. Uh, even iMessage is end-to-end -end encrypted. Um, and it will follow the same legal intercept standards as SMS. So it's not going to be as secure as iMessage or Signal or Telegram, but 
um, it will still be the same as it's ever was, essentially, to put it as short as possible. <laughs> um, I'm excited for it. Yeah, um, I'm curious to see how it's going to look. Um, it looks like they're yeah focusing on trying to in introduce features into default messages app for Android, mm -hmm. um, yeah. which includes features like GIF searches and Google Assistant. So there's their proprietary assistant right there. Um, but um, it looks like Samsung's going to support chat using yep. their app. Um, and you could download Google's app if you prefer to use it according to their plan. But uh, apparently it's going to be a little difficult for third-party developers to create full RCS-enabled apps. So I'm really curious how that's going to affect the, the app market on Android devices. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how it's, I don't know how it's gonna work with that. Um, but on a lot of devices already, the stock messaging app mm -hmm. is Android Messages or yeah. Google's messaging app. So I don't know how big of a problem that will be, but um, it'll be tough for apps like Signal or Telegram or whatever to implement RCS if it's gonna be difficult for third party to support it. Yeah, they so, might just choose not to. Yeah, you could just use and, old standards, I guess. Right. Yeah, and uh, the the article does mention so their messaging apps were Hangouts, Allo, Duo, and Android Messages. Duo, so, I think we missed that one. Yeah, Duo. That was the one I was forgetting. We've used Duo um, once. <laughs> now we have a fifth one called Chat. So, but it's still it's not Google. I um, think Chat is probably the most generically named one since Hangouts. Mm-hmm. Not all fancy and reachy like Allo and Duo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, going back to what we were talking about earlier, <clears throat> sure. the article does mention that Android Messages has everybody. So um, when you, even though Samsung phones don't use Android Messages as a default, most other manufacturers do. And that adds up to about 100 million monthly active users. So. They're just not interested in going somewhere else. So if this can be implemented in Android messages, then this could be a standard that could be rolled out very widely, very quickly, um, which I think is a good thing for the standard, for, for the industry. And anybody who's been running on a later version of Android messages, um, whenever you go to send, it'll show you sent via SMS or sent via like another way to send, like send via MMS. Um, so they're preparing it looks like they're doing some kind of internal preparations to kind of make this a more plug and play thing so you might see like sent via chat or sent via rcs or something like that mm -hmm. um, but then we've talked about uh carriers rolling out their own versions of rcs as well right but if google can just roll this out underneath all the carriers then um this would be the number one this would be the winner easy i'd like to see how this interfaces like we were talking about if it will interface with iMessage or how clean the you know communication is if you have all those different t like messages with different threads so yeah. to speak on your phone because that is one of the biggest complaints I hear about Android devices especially with people who switch um, people who used to iMessage each other my friends do it to me now that I switch to Android they mm -hmm. complain because you can't iMessage anymore and your texts come through separate and just kind to of become annoying. a green text. Yeah, it it, it just be kind of annoys them, and yeah. I'm, I'm hoping 
that maybe this kind of softens that blow. <laughs> yeah, and I think that um, if this is to be the standard, um, I would assume that maybe iMessage could just hook into this service much in the same way that they will allow SMS to come through. Um, I, I'm I'm hopeful, you know? I don't know. But the fact that it's not Google-branded is a good thing, yeah. in my opinion. And it leads me to believe that this will eventually be adopted by other um, tech companies as a standard. So... I wonder what it means that Google's kind of at the forefront of this. Mm -hmm. How that's going to pan yeah. out. And uh, Allo wasn't really going anywhere. No. So we like it. We like purely... it. Purely. Was that? We like it, but just because it's like, it's kind of cute, you know? It's not like <laughs> this robust yeah. future of messaging. Yeah, it's more of like a, a cheap WhatsApp copy than it is like an actual legitimate messaging service. Mm -hmm. Um it's it's cool because it's got the assistant integrated in it and it was the first one to do it but mm -hmm. um i'm assuming with uh as they expand android messages and rcs then it'll be a little bit different um i wonder but, if they're gonna have other bots involved in rcs too like you have your your lucky in allo where it'll produce a gif based on what text you pass to the bot it'd be yeah. cool if they could do stuff like that i think i think there's a lot of use for um some creativity with bots in chat mm -hmm. yeah and it's just weird because they google has completely given up on it yeah they've they, they tried they tried video messaging they tried facebook messenger competitors they tried normal messaging they tried hangouts for business um but um google is essentially giving up with this kind of a mark um so what they had said was um, there was a person who they were talking to on this article called, his name is Sarberwall, and he was saying there are a lot of great messaging products and experiences that are out there. And just because Google may want to be one of them, there's not a reason for us to invest or build products. They fundamentally build products because they believe we can deliver a better, improved user experience, which when you peel away the weird boilerplate words is basically like there's better stuff use that we're yeah. just gonna fix the messaging standard as it is under the hood and it's so, not like they're a startup either where they have to like cling on for dear life to their messaging app they can just let yeah. go and it's a side project that yeah to them really so i wonder if we're gonna see other companies do you think apple would try to respond to this or do you think they would maybe help out and we would see some kind of like really weird like community of tech CEOs being like, let's make this thing great. Or I don't like, I don't think we'll see like Apple's like, look at ours. We're going to call it talk. I don't foresee the, the joining up happening personally, just yeah. out of basic history between these <laughs> entities. <laughs> um, I also don't think that they'll rush to, put out something to say they're competing unless they're already developing it. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them maybe um, gradually enter this realm and probably come out with something similar. Yeah. No, I think that it would be, I think that it would be good. Yeah. Um, a, health, a bit of competition will be healthy, but uh, as we mentioned earlier in the show, competition for standards, I don't think is healthy. No. Yeah. 
So that that's kind of what I was getting at with Google mm -hmm. at the forefront of this. It's kind of interesting that they're even able to do that. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree. Um, but I guess time will tell yeah. on whether Google eventually abandons chat down the road <laughs> because they've, there's been a number of uh, services they've just kind of dropped and stopped working on. Um, and it's kind of hard to tell with Google what, is actually important to them and what's just kind of a pointless side project that they're just going to give up on whenever um, which is annoying it's annoying as hell for anybody who's trying to decide on what kind of an app they want to use but um, hopefully this is them kind of realizing that and trying to buckle down and double down on a new standard that makes the internet and messaging in general a better experience for everybody yep so i will watch with hopeful eyes <laughs> and still probably a lot of doubt, but we'll see. Yeah. I just uh, got to remain hopeful, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm always hopeful. I was born hopeful. Um, but yeah, I think with that being said, unless you wanted to bring anything else up, I think we can wrap the show up. Yeah. The, that's all that I had in mind. Okay. Um, well, for anybody who tuned in to catch us live, um, if you wanted to catch up with us on our social media, you can reach out to us with topic suggestions, reviews, suggestions, uh, or if you just want to stop by and say hello, you can reach out to us on any of Twitch, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, we maintain a semi-active to active community at all times there at Industry 4.0, all spelled out. Um, you can find us on the podcasting sphere if you're not catching us live. Or if you're a friend listening to us through another friend's device, uh, you can find us on Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Google Play and iTunes being Industry 4.0 and Stitcher being I4O. Um, and if you wanted to find us on our home base, where we call home, our Casa Del podcast, you can find us at Industry 4.0, all spelled out, dot podbean .com. Uh, You can, If you want, you can follow us there or um, just kind of check out any of our older episodes and um, just drop a comment in the community there. Um, yeah, uh, and I think also uh, keep an eye out for anybody listening. Keep an eye out because we may or may not have Spotify coming through in the works. Dun, dun, so dun. for any of you Spotify listeners, you'll be able to hear us on that as well. And I think that would complete the circuit. I think that would make us literally available everywhere. Pretty much. So yeah. Yeah. So Ifro coming at you from all directions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so going into just a, the closing bits about us, um, Jeff, I don't know if you want to lead off with yeah. your plugs. How about I just run through these for the three members listed? Um, I'm sure. Jeff Budzinski, uh, and I produce all the music and uh, audio for the show. So if you want to look at some of my other work, you can go to soundcloud.com slash the J bones. Um, I've got some stuff up there. It's been there a while, but I continually add uh, stuff here and there and looking to do more of that in the future. Um, also, as mentioned earlier, regarding the Flickr conversation, you can find photography of our uh, co-member Ryan Thompson at flickr.com slash photos slash Wayne R. Thompson. Uh, he's got some cool stuff up there. He is also on Instagram at WayneRyan21. And our other co-member, Irvin Lucas, who couldn't be on the show today, uh, 
has an Instagram as well at Irvin.Lucas. That's L-U-K-A-C-S. So check out our guy's stuff. Pretty interesting. Pretty cool. Yeah. And with that, this has been episode 48, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.